While technology progresses, is man progressing? And if progressing, is he going in the right direction? Sorry, what was what? that? I guess, um, case in point. <laughs> Today's handshake is that a man always has face-to-face -face conversations whenever possible. Now, John and I have been working from home for the better part of a year now, and I think we can both attest that it's very unusual to not see your coworkers in person at all. We're all used to having digital meetings now and then, but to never have in-person contact, that's a little strange. However, um, I think we all have been trying to make an effort to connect with loved ones and uh, friends in person more this year because of this isolation that we've all been going through. So whenever possible, have face-to-face -face conversations. It really does change the dynamic, being in the same room with somebody, watching their body language, their facial expressions. Um, it really deepens that conversation in a whole new way. So whenever possible, go out of your way to meet with a friend in person rather than just texting, calling them on the phone. Even those, those can be helpful ways, but let's, let's make an effort and reach out and have face-to-face -face conversations whenever we can. Thanks, Sam. I want to agree with Sam, and I want to also mention that some of this is going to take practice, right? That's why it's the handshake. That's why it's things to practice. For those of us who are introverts or those of us who are extroverts, it might be easy. It might be hard. But again, a confident gentleman is comfortable in his own skin and comfortable talking to people face to face. And with technology on the rise and people becoming more and more addicted to their technology, it's easy to ignore this. All right, John, have you, you've been following the Catholic Gentleman for a while. I don't know if you've been following it this long, <laughs> though, but one of my very first posts on Catholic Gentleman, in fact, it may have been one of the, I mean, it might have been the first post, the was a called Gentlemen Don't Text and Eat. Yeah. And I was yeah. just, so all I wrote about was just how gentlemen pay attention to those who they're eating with. They don't text. They don't play games on their phone when they're out to dinner with somebody. And I think at the time I remember writing that post because I was at a restaurant um, with my wife and we had seen we saw another couple on a date oh. and the whole time they were just completely ignoring each other. Good looking yeah. couple, young couple, you know, you'd think they'd be excited to be with each other. No, completely oblivious to each other's attention. And it just drove me nuts and I had to say something about it. So that was when I wrote. Uh, that first post. That's right. So. Well, how apropos that we get to uh, talk about cell phone use and talk about technology in general and how it's just kind of eaten the way at us, right? And I, um, I just to speak directly to what you were saying, how many times do we go to restaurants and it's not just a couple, but it's a full family, yeah. right? So frequently we see four people sitting at the table, uh, a mother and a father and two kids. Yeah. And all of them have their cell phone out or how how is it when one of them doesn't and they're just eating by themselves and mm -hmm. there are three people there looking at their their cell phone so uh, these things are real uh, real common and you know I'm reminded of a quote that Peter Kraft made that was just a, a spin on uh, Francis Bacon that was uh, technology makes a good servant but a horrible master and that's, right. uh, that's what we see all the time 
Yeah, I mean, I think we can all think of real benefits that we've uh, received from technology. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I would be lost a lot of times without, you know, my GPS or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, it is great to be able to call up a friend who lives in another state or send them a text message or yeah. uh, whatever. But, um, yeah, technology does, it's got pros and cons to it, right? Yeah, it certainly does. And we're both uh, marketing professionals. That's what we do uh, right. day in and day out, right? And so we also know how addictive uh, technology can be, intentionally so, right? Yes. And so... Right. Uh, these companies, these uh, software systems um, are all vying for your attention and vying for your money. And it's our job as gentlemen to learn how to avoid that and also learn how to help others um, avoid that uh, addiction and avoid that temptation that, you know, just kind of grabs us, um, grabs me as well. So. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we, we want to use our tools. We don't want our tools to use right. us. But a lot of people don't realize that, like you said, these tools are designed to addict us. That's right. Um, you know, I, I had a book on my shelf for a while. I think I eventually got rid of it, yeah. but uh, it was called Hooked. Uh, yeah. And it was all about designing apps and, and products that got people addicted right. to them. It, all about hijacking that neurochemistry, that psychology that we all share as human beings. Uh, and getting people addicted to your products. And a lot of companies, they do this knowing full well that if you start using my tool, you're going to get sucked in and you're not going to want to stop. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this more uh, later in the episode. But uh, to that point on that book, I know that Facebook, when they came out with the like button, mm -hmm. it was intentionally to get more and more people back to their platform. Why? because then they can advertise to you more and they can make more money. And so that little like symbol, by the way, is uh, came off of casinos called uh, intermittent affirmation, right? So if you had a narrow view of a casino's uh, slot machines, uh, a lot of people are playing and they have it strategically placed. A lot of you guys might know this, but they have it strategically placed where winners will happen every 18, every 20 minutes, just enough time to keep more and more people addicted. And in Facebook's gathering, they got together and they said, how do we do the same mm -hmm. to the people on our platform? That mm -hmm. was their intent is what can we do to get people back more frequently so we can advertise to them more so that we can make more money? Right, right. It's, it's what they call the attention economy where essentially you, the user of Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, you are the product that advertisers right. are in a sense purchasing. Well, we know this person's on Facebook, you know, four hours a day. I want to purchase That's some right. of that four hour bandwidth so that I can get in front of them and market my product to them. Yeah. And we're so used to seeing these ads as we scroll that we don't even pay attention. Like we don't realize that they're there and yet they're having an influence. On Agreed. Us. All right. So let's dive right in and let's talk about the problem of technology. Let's talk about the addiction of technology. And I would say, so that it's not all negative, let's talk about what it's taking from us. Yeah. And then um, we'll talk about ways that we can solve this problem. Yeah, because so. we want to get to solutions, right. you know, but, but first we have to kind of realize the extent of the problem. And uh, the first thing I'd say is that it, it erodes our, our capacity for virtue. Mm. Um, and virtue is something that is a, about a habitual disposition. And as we all know, like 
virtues um, are things like self-control. Yeah. <laughs> um, but technology, and as we just said, is a, can, designed to be addictive in many cases, which if your goal is self-control, moderation, temperance, things like that, yeah. and technology is teaching you to be impulsive, reactionary, to act without thinking, to check just one more notification, it's eroding that capacity for virtue. Yeah, eroding. And actually what it's doing is it's, it's creating uh, vice and addiction mm -hmm. in its place, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, eroding the, uh, our capacity for virtue, right? So um, you know, many of you have uh, heard of Exodus 90 or are doing Exodus 90, and, and really one of their uh, tenets is to, um, and their practices is to avoid the cell phone, right? To avoid that. I mean, I know we just kind of brought it up, but notifications go off with one intent for them as well. And that's to take our attention again, right. grab our attention. Because when that attention is grabbed, then uh, they got you and you're in love with your cell phone or mm -hmm. you're in love with Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat uh, or any of these locations. And so I think that's, that's so important. Uh, starting the episode out talking about att attention and how technology is eroding um, aspects of our very being. Yeah. And that's just really profound. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, our, our ability for relationship, um, because a lot of times what we're interacting with is not a real person in a sense, but like just this avatar on a screen that we um, think that we can yeah. discern the person behind it, but a lot, oftentimes it, it kind of flattens and dehumanizes that person. So uh, an example of this is you see people saying horrible things to each other online yeah. that they would never say if that person <sighs> right. were sitting right across from them. Um, but it, that, that, well, it's just an avatar or it's just a name on a screen. Uh, it's less of a person to me. So I mean, I can say whatever I right. want. They don't know me. I don't know them. And so the filters come off, the masks come off and things get ugly very quickly. So it erodes our capacity for really charity, the virtue of charity yeah. for, uh, and charity is based on perceiving the humanity and the dignity of the other person. Yeah, agreed. And if you can't perceive that any longer, then you no longer treat them with the dignity and respect that each person deserves. Um, so it really does erode those relationships. And oftentimes, you know, too, even with loved ones, yeah. we, we think, well, I can always give them a call or I'll just send them a text. That's right. But when's the last time you went and visited grandma or when's That's the last right. time you went and visited your parents or something like that where we can often substitute these lesser forms of interaction for the richness that is in-person reaction. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, I think of my life as a father and the example, and I, I run into this as well, right? I mean, I know what the phone's doing to me, but as a father, eroding uh, those relationships, absolutely, right? It's a checkbox. You know, I, I've... I've contacted my godchild. I've contacted my parents. I've right. contacted, you know, and I did it quick and easy because I'm so busy. There's so much stuff going on in my life. But our children, for those of us who are fathers, are witnessing that on a regular basis. And they're seeing us come home from work or, in our case, uh, open up our, our office door and close our office door and walk into, <laughs> walk into to, to true life and authentic life uh, with our family and if they, and I know this with my kids, um, right? I've got, I've got five kids um, uh, with me and they just are the best thing in my life. But we see that when I walk out, 
if within 30 minutes I've looked at my phone, um, I've done a disservice to my kids. Yeah. I've done a disservice. I've, I've chosen, um, well, a vice or I've chosen a far lesser thing. And, you know, it's not to accuse, I obviously do this frequently, but it's not to accuse people of um, being a bad individual or being an individual that is, um, you know, uh, intentionally choosing their technology over their family. But it's something that we have to be aware of because uh, the the example that it's setting uh, for those around us is just um, not a good one. And not one that uh, 40, 50 years ago people had to struggle with. Of course, there's there are different struggles, but but particularly today, technology yeah. is... Um, is vying for our attention in ways that nothing else is and well, winning. And it's so powerful because um, I'm aware of it, you're aware of it, um, and yet we still do it. That's like, right. you know, uh, there's been times when I've caught myself, yeah. you know, pulling up to the stoplight and like reaching for my phone in those two seconds after putting the brakes on. Yeah. Oh, and then I catch myself, what am I doing? What? I do not need to check my email or my text messages. In the 30 seconds that I'm at the stoplight. It's That's just right. not necessary. And yet it, it almost becomes a reflex yeah. um, that we do it without thinking about it. Even if we're aware of the dangers of technology, which, um, you know, we are, yeah. uh, it still can pull us in um, and, and it, it can hijack our brains and even rewire the shape of our brains. Like, I mean, they've done study on the, on the neuroscience of this and it literally starts to erode the yeah. prefrontal cortex that is very involved in decision-making, yeah. deliberative decision-making where right. you weigh the options and you consider and you make a very dis, you know determined choice, it starts to erode that part of your brain and starts growing kind of the rear part of your brain that's very much involved with impulse right. and craving. Um, and so technology not only is erodes virtue, it literally yeah. rewires your brain and changes you at a physical level. Yeah. And so it's that powerful. It is. Uh, my mind's going in all different directions. And I'm thinking about when uh, a previous job that I worked for uh, over five years ago, I used to have to give a lot of presentations mm -hmm. about cell phone use. Mm -hmm. And one of the statistics, now this is like, let's just say six, seven years ago is when this study was done. And the statistic was then that the average cell phone user looks at their phone just over 100 times a day. Wow. And we don't want to justify and say, oh, they're looking at their time. Are they? No, it's because we are on a dozen platforms with a dozen systems yeah. and email notifications. And I know on my phone, I've got um, three different emails mm -hmm. that, are, that, are, that have the potential <laughs> to yeah. grab my attention and take from me. Uh, so I know something you brought up about texting and, or, or even just talking and driving or stopping at the, at the stoplight. Um, I know that um, you have a need for speed. I will be, um, <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, I just uh, had to do a defensive driving course um, for my own um, uh, inability to uh, um, watch the speed limit. <laughs> but that being said, within this defensive driving course that I just finished a couple weeks ago, they talked about the amount of lives taken uh, from texting, mm -hmm. the uh, the fact that um, they bring it up in the course that uh, texting while driving is the equivalent of being drunk while driving mm -hmm. because of that attention that's just so um, 
uh, pulled away are, are not only visually our focus is centered on on the smaller screen instead of you know thirty seconds in front of us and um, and our you know our periphery and so uh, it's a really good point that you brought up and and I would even go as far as um, checking talking on the phone and driving within city limits I know that. Um, it becomes a distraction. Mm-hmm. And just when my wife is in the car next to me and we're talking, I'll miss a I'll miss an exit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, talking on my phone, uh, somebody who's not even there with me, you know, and I know that can be uh <laughs> that can be a, a worse thing uh in some cases, but not my wife. Um it is. It's it's a it's a distraction and something that, as a gentleman, I think we how we really need to focus on yeah. and, and pay attention to. So. Yeah. So you know, they're talking about attention and how technology. First of all, they want our attention so that they can yeah. sell us things, um, but also how it scatters that attention and weakens that attention. Mm. But but why is attention so important? Yeah. Um, because psychologically, they talk about like we all live in this state of what they call it continuous partial attention, right? Where it's essentially we can't go deep on anything. We can't, you know, enter that state of flow where you lose track of time or yeah. you, you can't enter deeply into prayer anymore. But wh- why is uh, attention so important? Attention is a precious gift yeah. from God. Mm. It's not just a random thing. Amen. It's the way we encounter the world. Uh, in an intentional way. So, yeah. for example, seeing a sunset. Yeah. Then that sunset is beautiful. Yeah. And if we pay attention to it, we will look at it, receive the gift of that beauty. That's right. And give thanks to God. That's right. And that's that's really what God desires of us is to uh, be grateful, to appreciate the gifts that he's given us. That's fundamental to our beings yeah. as human beings. We're designed to be beings that give thanks. That's right. Um, and when you can't pay attention to anything, I mean, how many times have people walk by a beautiful rose bush or, you know, hear the birds singing or, or you know, ha- embrace their child and they were somewhere else entirely. That's right. Like, Absolutely. oh man, did I get any more notifications, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we all do it, but it's yeah. tr- it's tragic in a sense. It is. Um, the French philosopher Simone Weil, she was talking about yeah. how it, attention is prayer almost yeah. you know focused attention can is the preparation for prayer and anything that strengthens your attention strengthens your capacity yeah. for prayer anything that weakens your attention weakens your capacity for prayer yeah absolutely and i mean i would say that most people don't think about these things right yeah. and i i would say also that uh, attention has to be achieved and lived in the present mm-hmm. and if we are focused on on something that is grabbing our attention keeping us from the present moment and all that's happening around us it's something that needs to be in check and so uh yeah that's really great you know i think it's important let's go back and let's just talk about all those things real quick just briefly for for our sure. listeners uh about what it's eroding right so it is eroding our capacity for virtue for self-control yeah Yeah, for self-control it's eroding our ability to have good and holy and in the present moment relationships and um we can expand upon that as we as we did and also it erodes our ability to live in appreciation and gratitude 
and how important is appreciation and gratitude for all things in life, right? I think lack of appreciation, lack of gratitude is what steals our peace, mm -hmm. is what causes despair, is what causes anxiety. And, uh, but being grateful for all that we have in life, being grateful for every moment and not completely distracted where we can't even think about these things mm -hmm. is really something that, uh, that we need to listen to. We need to pray about. You just brought up prayer too. And that's also why do we struggle to pray so much these days? Mm-hmm. It's because we haven't practiced attention. We yeah. haven't practiced controlling our own attention. That's right. Yeah. So, and I would, I would, um, I, you know, I know everyone's got their own different ways of praying, um, but um, I personally can't pray yeah. with with a like a breviary or something on my mm. on my phone. Yeah. Because I no sooner do I open that up, I'm like, point. in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, ping, and it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, there goes my. Focus, you know, yeah. and, and some people can do it, yeah. you know, and, and I'd rather have access to these things than not have access to them. But on the other hand, we just have to be aware that, you know, when you're on a distraction engine all day That's long, right. it is not conducive to deep focused prayer. Yeah. Um, so. I'm going to take a moment and talk about that praying and distraction and talk about looking at a cell phone during mass. Mm -hmm. Because you and I both know what this technology is trying to do to us. Mm -hmm. I've gotten into the habit of turning my phone off and leaving it in the car mm -hmm. when I go into mass. Yeah. I'd also say that I'm frequently scandalized by people who are in the middle of mass looking at their phone sure. because I wonder if they're texting. But yeah. I, and that could be a, a limitation of my own for sure. But um, the opportunity or let's say the occasion mm -hmm. to pull ourselves away from the ultimate focus in the mass, Christ in the Eucharist, and the mm -hmm. whole reason we are there is just something that I think everybody needs yeah. to take a very deep examination of their conscience yeah. when it comes to um, carrying a cell phone in church and especially mm -hmm. pulling one out. You know, even in airplane mode, yeah. unless your phone primary purpose in life is to help you in prayer, mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, I would say few and far between. <laughs> I've never met somebody that that's their primary focus. Um, you know, it's something that, yeah, we really have to think about and, and reflect on. Yeah. And, and, you know, they've done research on this and they oh. say that even having a phone on a table when you're talking to somebody changes the quality of the conversation. Ooh. Yeah. And so if, if something as simple as having it present right there changes your conversation yeah. take having it in mass could also be a very big distraction now we're not making a hard and fast rule Correct. for anybody you That's know right. we're not here as the divine lawgivers you know laying down your what you can and can't do That's but right. it's just something we need to be aware of i agree awareness is powerful we need to know what this technology does to us so that we can master it rather than it mastering yeah, us yeah absolutely and uh you bring up a good point it's the catholic gentleman so if for those of you who don't know, maybe in the 1800s, if you showed up to a dinner party with your pocket watch out or with a watch on, even into the uh, the 1900s, it was seen as rude mm -hmm. by individuals because your host um, didn't have your full attention. It was almost as if something was more important that might mm -hmm. come up and you had to pay attention to yeah. the time. And so 
that's where we've come from now where, and I am guilty of this as well, I'll be sitting at a business meeting and for some reason it seems like a formal um, acceptance in that situation to just have the cell phone on the table, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got our plate, we've got our cup, We've got our, you know, our fork, knife, and cell phone, right? It's a part of our yeah, dinner right. tray, <laughs> and, and so we set it out. And I think that's that's really uh, keen that you brought that up. It triggered that that memory in my mind of of yeah. what it is to be a gentleman. So we know all these things, right? We're struggling. I love the fact that uh, we're talking about attention and we're talking about the lack thereof or what technology is doing for us. And I think it's important for us to. Now let's talk about some practical ways that individuals can, um, uh, in their day-to-day lives, uh, work on regaining attention. Yeah, so absolutely. So I would say the first thing is just be aware, like we said, of what it's capable of doing. Yeah. Um, and structure your environment yeah. accordingly. You know, when experts talk about habit change and things Amen. like that, one of the first things they say is, change your environment, change your life. Because what we do um, is very often influenced by our environment and the habits that our environment facilitates. So, for example, you keep your phone on your nightstand. Yeah. Mm. You wake up groggily, you grab your phone, you turn it on. Before you know it, oh, flood of notifications, emails. That's what we're looking at. Uh, Instead of giving your first moment of your day to God, you've given it to your phone. Yeah. why not put your phone in the bathroom or in the living room or something where it takes that intentionality to go and get it? And since it's not within arm's reach, you then can say, well, I'm just waking up. Maybe I'll say my morning offering instead. It's just a simple thing, but it changes your behavior. So be aware of your environment. Um, For example, if you are having dinner, you are having a conversation, don't leave that phone there because it will change the dynamics of your conversation. You'll be thinking about checking it rather than Mm. paying attention to the person in front of you. So put it in, you know, put it in another room, put it in your backpack, put it in your briefcase, you know, uh, be aware of what that is doing to you. Um, but yeah. there's some other ideas. You- yeah, I want to take it a step further. Just what you're talking about, and this is, again, from my own uh, personal experience that I brought up with my kids. Um, I can't remember the moment, but I was, I was profoundly aware of my kids' need for my attention mm-hmm. after work. Yes. And my kids are eight and under, so I've got five of them, just like you, just boom, 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 eight and under. And... So like you were talking about putting in in your bathroom, when I leave my office, since I've been working from home for the last year, Mm -hmm. I leave my cell phone in my office Mm, and frequently close the door. And so I pay attention and I fail at this, but I I do my best to pay attention to my family Mm -hmm. until I've read with my kid. We prayed together. um, We've, we've read um, together and I've, uh, put my children to bed. And then if my wife and I need to have conversations, which we absolutely do mm-hmm. <laughs> on a daily basis, um, I, I do that as well. And I think that that is another way. Mm-hmm. So be creative when you're thinking about these things. Be creative when you are discerning where it is that you are needed most 
and your attention is needed most mm -hmm. and what you can do to uh, remove technology from your life so that um, in those moments. And so these are just a couple ideas of what's become trending today called yeah. tech fasting. And there's a lot of individuals. Yeah. I listen to a couple podcasts um, where individuals, uh, not Catholic podcasts, just podcasts um, outside of the faith. And uh, they're all hip, you know, it's intermittent fasting, it's paleo diets, it's uh, tech fasting. And, um, but I agree with that, right? And right. I think uh, we're talking about it and hopefully within this context of attention and um, habit forming, virtue yeah. forming, mm -hmm. it's important to practice tech fasting. And so, you know, I encourage um, our listeners, it's something that I've done, but uh, maybe fasting on Sunday in the sense of, I think it's humorous to call it fasting, but remove your cell phone from you uh, maybe throughout Sunday, you yeah. know, have, and, and if that's too hard, have three or four times on Sunday that you mm -hmm. allow yourself within, you know, appropriate durations uh, to look at your cell phone and then, but work to the point. And I, I feel like I realize this and I think most of our guests are going to realize this, that um, nothing horrible happened mm -hmm. during the time yeah, you right. weren't looking at your phone. So Yeah, yeah. And another, another you know, practical um, way to kind of build off of that is what are you going to do with your time on Sunday? Yeah, well, spend right. time with your loved ones. But, <laughs> yeah. but also build into your day, if at all possible. I mean, some of us are just way too busy. I don't know. But if at all possible, build in times for intentional silence yeah. and awareness of presence of God in your life. Yeah. You know, Cardinal Sarah wrote a wonderful yeah, book called The Power of Silence. That's right. But uh, all the saints speak of this, yeah. um, the importance of God speaking in silence to our hearts. Yeah. And if we don't ever allow ourselves any... Um, room for silence uh, and uh, attention given to God, Yeah. then how can we ever, we, we get frustrated with our spiritual life sometimes. Absolutely. Why am I not growing? Why am I not advancing? You know, why am I not deepening in my prayer life? Um, but then we never allow those moments of quiet reflection yeah. that are conducive to that growth that we long for. Amen. Um, so build those moments into your day. But again, we return to that theme that we've had yeah. several times of attention. Yeah. You know, um, I don't want to get too far afield here yeah, in sure. philosophical speculations, but, you know, um, uh, physicists have told us that, you know, at, at the subatomic level, you know, at the kind of the quantum level, level they say, yeah. reality actually responds to your attention. Yeah. Particles reality behave differently. responds to your attention. Based on, yeah. how, but whether or not they're observed. So it's, it's very fascinating, like, Literally, just observe, the act of observing something yeah. changes its behavior. So attention is that powerful. And if that's true with like the natural, the physical world, yeah. how much more true is it with human beings? And like I've noticed when I'm distracted, my kids will be pulling on my leg. They'll be jumping on my back. They're trying to get my attention. The second I give it to them, they just, uh, they just like they're that's joyful, right. they're radiant, you know, they're happy. Yeah. And it's the same with our spouses. You know, we can be rushing around, going in different directions, but then we stop, say, no, I'm going to stop and yeah. give my wife a hug. Yeah. You know, and Amen. 30 seconds, you do nothing but just give your spouse a hug. Changes everything about your relationship. It sure you just feel so much more connected. Um, and so giving our attention to those that, that matter to us in our life, it, it really changes 
the quality of our relationships yeah. uh, deepens them and enriches them. I love it. And so in changing the quality of the relationships, um, I just always go back to uh, the example we're setting for others. Yeah. And so if we are to be authentic men mm-hmm. and we are to live out our masculinity I think living out that masculinity means keeping the phone away from uh, your eyes when you're walking in public. When you, I mean, uh, think about the fact that I would say a gentleman doesn't force other people to listen to their conversation. And so when you're in public and you've got your AirPod in or you've got your Bluetooth in and you are talking where a bunch of people around you can Mm -hmm. hear, let's avoid that, right? Let's avoid, um, again, You'll be surprised at how uh, the world um, didn't miss you being on your phone (laughs) (laughs) during those moments. And then I know I've already brought it up, but the positive example that uh, God willing with his grace we're setting for our children is a a, a father who is present, a father who spends time with his kids, and back to the theme, a father who it's not impossible to get his attention yeah. because that's what our kids need uh, in their development. That's what our kids need in their lives to grow, to learn, to uh, be transformed and uh, to unite themselves to that, which is true, good and beautiful. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, um, what we, we give our attention to is, is what we love yeah. ultimately. And what do you want your children to remember about you? Dad loved his phone more than me. I will right. never remember, never forget this time I was at this park, park pushing my kid in the yeah. swing, and there was another dad who was there with his son who okay. was probably about five. Yeah, and the dad was sitting on a playground, mm. um, playing his phone, yeah. and the kid was running around, going down the slide. Dad, watch me! And then he, yeah. you know, ran around and was doing like tricks and jumps. And uh, dad, dad, look, look! Yeah. His dad was just like, uh. And he didn't even look up. Of course, yeah. And mm. finally, the poor boy just gave up. Mm. And he went and sat in a swing, just slumped over, dejected, because his dad wouldn't give him that love and attention that he so desperately needed. Yeah. And is, it, is that what we want our children to remember about us? Yeah. You know, when you talk about example, is that what they're going to remember? That my dad loved his phone more than me. Oh, yeah. What a tragedy that would be. So, yes, tools, technology, they can be a true blessing. That's right. They can... Bring real benefits into our lives. I don't want to deny that. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yes, but mm-hmm. but they do have real dangers that we need to be aware of and that we need to be proactive about. Rather than letting things happen to us, yeah. we need to kind of take that proactive attention and say, "No, I am going to master this thing," That's right. rather than letting it master me. Amen. Um, and you know, because Jesus said, you know, if if you're I offends you, pluck it out. You know, if your hand offends you, cut it off. And so we need to have that kind of um, radical um, attitude towards our technology in the sense that if this is leading me to to ignore those that God has placed in my life, if if this is shattering my prayer life, then maybe I need to delete that Facebook app or or whatever. but yeah. oftentimes that's not necessary. Oftentimes it takes just a little bit of effort. That's um, right. And, it and sure we does. can we can master that rather that's than right. master. And it. I you just don't allow this to lead me, but be an authentic man and be a leader. Right. And uh, so we have to start with that uh, with that control. Yeah. So 
a lot of little things here, tech fasting, you know, um, avoiding uh, looking at your phone uh, during, um, during mass or out in public. Um, you know, again, though, the phone is awesome as a planner, is awesome at the ability to connect us uh, across international bounds. I don't live by my parents but, or my, my sisters, but I get to talk to them on the phone. Right. And while that's, uh, you know, a lesser form of, of connection, it's far better than, right. uh, than we ever used to have at anywhere at any time. Yeah. It's not that I have to be on my corded phone or mm-hmm. my, my candlestick phone if we go back to like the <laughs> 40s and 50s. And, um, and so we can talk to them at anywhere, anytime. And, and that's beautiful. But because of the nature of technology, the nature of uh, these organizations and groups that are developing mm-hmm. these products and these services for us, they have money as their bottom line and, uh, and getting and grabbing your attention yeah. is how they can make that money. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's like fire, right? Yeah. Fire can be incredibly useful. It can also be incredibly destructive. We just have to know the dangers, the limits and be aware yeah. of those. And a Catholic man doesn't let life happen to him. Yeah. He's intentional, he's purposeful, and he lives his life based on concrete principles rather than um, just whatever the whim or the impulse of the moment happens to be. Yeah. So we're going to change, switch gears yeah, here a little bit exactly. because you've got something that I want to look at. Uh, we're going to switch to our nightcap. Yeah. We I know switch. you've all been looking forward to this. So. <laughs> That's right. So again, with the nightcap, right, we're looking to... Uh, showcase masculine tangible things or activities that both uh, uh, either or or both um, Sam and I uh, truly appreciate. So I am a fan of knives. So by God's grace, I haven't had the money to buy a lot of knives in my life. Um, and I was never one of the, the kids who had to wear four or five knives. But um, I'd always have, and we all know them, right? The individuals that <laughs> just love knives. knives yeah. and, and they've got their ankle knife and they've got, you know, all these different things. So that was never me. But I always liked to carry a knife with me ever since Boy Scouts. Um, when my dad bought me my first knife, there we are talking about examples. My dad bought me my first whittling knife knife and um and i just thought it was it was a rite of passage for me and that was um just a a memorable and really great moment in my growth so thank you dad and um and then ever since then it was um what knives could i afford so for me it was gerber knives you know which are not bad knives uh they're you know you can get them at walmart and bear grills um you know endorses them and so you can you can get those. But then I started getting to um, uh, marriage and life where I was, uh, you know, wanting a knife that I could potentially pass down, you know, yes, to my son. Yeah. So a nicer knife. And so I've got a couple knives here that um, that I like, and I want to kind of talk briefly about each of them and what I like about each of them, and and then show you, Sam. Okay. Because uh, so one of them, the first knife that I got, again, a knife that's been recommended um, time and time again. So this is a Kershaw um, spring assist knife. And so with the spring assist knife, that means there's actually a little spring in it that's going to pop it up. So this was my first knife, um, again, this sort of heirloom knife uh, that I got. Unfortunately, the tip of it broke 
um, but that's a story for another time. And <laughs> uh, and so, but with that, the fun thing about these, there's really something uh, just you know. Uh, I guess uh, exciting is that when you just touch the little knob here, the knife just flips right up, right? So yeah. kind of like a switchblade or something like that. And so it's a really uh, fun knife, um, fun knife to have, fun knife to hold, and uh, and just carry with you. And it's so handy. So this one in particular, I don't know if you can see it, um, is uh, it's part serrated and then just a regular blade. Um, it's a neat idea. I personally think the serration is not long enough, so anytime I want to cut a you know rope or something like that, uh, I'm sure. having to like you know saw <laughs> basically it. saw at it. And um, and so yeah, that spring assist knife is one of fun and uh, one that I uh, enjoy. So then another knife that I uh, recently got because my wife loves me is uh, a brand that I've always appreciated. So this brand is Benchmade. Okay. And Benchmade make incredible knives, knives that are way outside of my price range, hopefully not outside of everyone's price range, <laughs> um, but this one wasn't. And so this is a Benchmade knife, uh, same size, uh, you know, I like that kind of three inch blade. And um, definitely check out Benchmade's, go to the website, check out Benchmade. Um, with that being said, it's not a spring assist knife, but it is a one-handed knife in the sense that um, it's so smooth that you can open and close it with um, with just one hand. And if you get good at the little, you know, wrist flip, you can, you know, make it look like a spring assist knife. So uh, that's just a little nightcap for today is, uh, is knives, obviously, uh, use them uh, safely. <laughs> And, <laughs> and don't let your children play with knives. Um, all things that I have uh, not intended by any means, but keep them out of reach of kids. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Anyways. So anyways, we're blessed to be here. Thank you, Sam. Um, I'm really grateful. And as we like to always remember, be a man, be a saint. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs>